The Lord be with you, and it is indeed good to be back with you. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we've had problems with our cameras, and um, and so we had to purchase all new equipment, but I think this is going to give you a better screen, a, a better picture, and um, let's begin where we left off, if we can remember where we left off. It is in Psalm number 3, and in let me read the first three verses. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance, there is no salvation for him in God. But thou, O Lord art a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. And whenever we were together before, we we talked about that word that's translated in um, some Bibles as deliverance. Uh, it's the word salvation, and it is actually the word Yeshua, which in transliterated to English is Jesus. And so uh, now we are seeing how that salvation works out in our lives, specifically in the day of crisis, because I don't think I need to remind you, David was in a place of crisis. Um, maybe that's not strong enough a word. He He had now experienced literally the loss of absolutely everything, beginning with his own son rising against him and ending with fleeing as a refugee from his own home, his own throne. He's lost his status. He's lost his majesty and honor and everything that went with it. He is a destitute refugee fleeing from his own son. He has lost everything. He has lost everything. It's one of the darkest moments in the life of David. And this psalm is so important because it tells us how David handled that, how he was able to walk through those darkest of all days and come through triumphant, come through the man that we know him to be. And so that's what I want to look at uh, today, which is, uh, we've seen the salvation, where they said there's no salvation, no deliverance for him in God. That's what they were saying. But now he says those words, but, I know that's what they're saying. That is public opinion. That indeed is what everyone thinks. And and it's gotten into my head, he was saying. It's, it's affecting me. Then he comes in, but <laughs> that might be universal public opinion. I may not have one person with me who believes there's hope for me in God. That matters not. But, but, the great buts of the Bible. But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. That was the first unwrapping of salvation in his life. You, O Lord, you are a shield about me. 
Now that is in the context of those first two verses. That's why I, I read the first two verses. It, it, it is, he's saying you are a shield while they, the people, the many, are saying there is no salvation, there's no Yeshua for him in God. Words. That, that's the beginning the the weapons i mean in this situation that he's in you you probably could think of many things that might be done to him and, and certainly his son absalom is coming with physical weapons and wants to kill him um yeah there's many many things that you might say were coming as an event coming as situation coming very physically but he begins with the words, because words, they are the weapon of all weapons. And he is describing exactly what was being said. I mean, go through this with a fine-tooth comb. He said, the many are saying, they're, they're saying of my soul. That is, that he, at that moment, he's not specifically concentrating on his body, uh, on his physical. He's not thinking uh, of even restoration to his home. No, he said, they have said there's no salvation for me in my soul. They, they, They were cutting to the very heart of his being, soul, it's a, a great word, but, but it speaks of your core being, your essential humanity. And in terms of the scripture, where I know that God is my God, it is out of those depths that I cry, Abba, Father, that they were saying of his soul. They're saying of his soul, Notice it's words that are coming in. He's heard them. But would you understand me if I said sometimes you don't have to actually hear them. They seem to be in the very atmosphere transmitted to you. And at other times, if you notice that words, sentences seem to just arrive in your head and they're always condemning you. They've they've always got this note to them that there's no hope, there's no salvation for your soul. It's that they're words that, that seem to come. Sometimes it's as if public opinion or a group of people can actually project words into our soul. And Satan, I, I don't know how you think of Satan's coming at us, um, but essentially, did you know that Satan, his, his very title, which is linked into the name Satan, that it is the accuser of the brethren. How do you accuse except you do it with words? And, and, and Satan, the very word would be not only accuser, but the idea is of gossiper, slanderer. And, and so many words that ignorant, empty-headed people say about you, uh, they've really picked up 
the latest transmission from Satan, the accuser, and they're repeating them. And many, many, many times uh, Satan shoots his words into our head and we think they're our thoughts. Oh, words. And, and, and now these words are seeking to lodge in, in David's spirit. Words. Words that told him. I mean, would you ever forget the words uh, of the person that came and told you that your own son has declared himself king and is now marching against you? Would you ever forget those words, whatever tone they were said in? The words large, and the words eat like acid inside of us, and they inflame our imagination. And what about the words that told David that his closest friend, his greatest advisor, the man who knew David almost better than David, Ahithophel, to hear the words that he has gone over to Absalom and is now counseling Absalom with all the knowledge that he has of David. Betrayal, oh, words of betrayal, they, they cut to the very gut of your spirit. And betrayal by friends, well, can you ever be betrayed by anybody else, really? It's got to be a friend who really can hurt you. And words from the people, words from the shopping malls, words from the bazaars and the coffee shops. Now he's learning about them. He's been very ignorant, but now now they're coming. And as I say, it seems almost in the atmosphere. And they're saying, their words are that he's abandoned by God. God has thrown him under the bus. He's finished. There's no salvation for him in God. And if God has thrown him under the bus, then people throw him too. They're judging words. They're, they're, they're shallow words of people who hardly know David, but they judge him as if they're God himself. They, they pontificate it. There's no deliverance for him in God. Close the book, end of the chapter, he's finished. Let's get on with life without him, judging, condemning. And, and David ha has received these accusing, guilt-ridden, shame-laden words that come to address him in the area of his relationship with God. Or you can say what you like about me as a father. I mean, if I'd been a better father to Absalom, this wouldn't have happened, probably. There's a lot of things you can say about me in my life. But they were speaking of his relationship with God. They say of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Huh. If David had believed those words that now whirl like a tornado inside his head and go down into the depth of his soul, if he had believed those words that said he was abandoned by God, 
if he had believed that those words that howled in his head were really his thoughts, if he'd have believed that, you realize, some of you might be thinking about this now, but because we've been through this, every one of us have been through this. Maybe not what David went through, but this, what people say, and then these other dark thoughts that arrive, and they're whirling inside of us, and they're sucking the life out of us. If you believe that they're your thoughts, if you believe that they are true thoughts that you, knowing yourself, have determined, then you're going to be sucked down into absolute despair. You will be sucked into depression. And by the time anything physical could ever happen to you, you're finished. That was the point. If David had believed those words, if he had said, this indeed is the truth, this is who I am, if he had believed the words, by the time Absalom had actually arrived in the vicinity, David would have been already finished, destroyed by words. Think about that. It's interesting, this idea of God our shield uh, literally spans the Bible. And one of the New Testament references to it is in Ephesians 6, which is the great chapter concerning uh, warfare with dark powers. And in there it says that, above all, we take the shield of faith. And it goes on to say that in taking the shield of faith, we quench all of the flaming arrows of the wicked one. Now, flaming arrows. Very good, especially in the light of what I've just said. Um, It's uh, exactly what I'm talking about. I'm I'm sure you've seen it um, or read about it or you're aware that in ancient times, when the attackers came to a city or village, they would light a fire, usually with pitch or tar, uh, on the end of their arrows, and then they would shoot their arrows, which were now carrying fire. They're like ancient rockets, the the fire. These go, and of course they would land in the roof of the peasant houses, and usually roofs made of straw and grass, and the whole jolly lot would go up in flames. And that that was um, big-time warfare in those days. And Paul in Ephesians 6 uses that. He said, Satan is shooting fire-bearing arrows right into us. That, that's, see, words, they come like flaming arrows. And if they ever get a hold in us, they will set us on fire inside. They're destructive. Be careful. The words that you listen to, be careful of the words you believe are true. Be careful of saying, these are my thoughts. Just, and this may be off the, off the wall and on the side, but when um, Russia 
was going through its crisis, the end of communism and um, down with the Berlin Wall, right that period, um, I, I was in Moscow. In fact, I was staying on Red Square and I was one of the very first to take the opportunity that now communism was over, we could actually rent a theater and preach the gospel. And, and I was there right at that time. Um, I won't go any further into that, but walking the streets, I have never, and I mean this, in all my travels among all people, never have I seen such utter hopelessness and despair on the faces of the people that they stared ahead of them in utter, empty, hopeless depression. There was no future, there was no meaning, it was a matter of just existing. And I will never forget, as I walk through the streets of Moscow and seeing this, and when I got to my room, I felt a depression that was clinging within me, I mean, it was the real thing, a darkness that was descending over my mind. I, I had never known anything like it. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit that alerted me to the fact that was not arising from me. I had literally received this from the people on the streets of Moscow, I was actually now becoming infused with the darkness and with the despair of these people. And when I dealt with it as such, it was gone. But I will never forget that, that the words of the people, the thoughts of the people who couldn't even speak my language, had actually infused my mind. And I was now thinking their thoughts. And for a period there, I thought they were my thoughts. But they were from the darkness through these dear people who knew no better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Flaming arrows that come in, and if we accept them as truth, accept them as ours, they set on fire our whole innards. There's another way of looking at that scripture, flaming arrows, because they also did something else. They would put deadly poison on the end of their arrow tips, and when they fired them into a person, it wasn't the physical wound that killed, it was the poison that was now inside them and that poison that they used burned your veins and organs until you felt that your innards were on fire whatever these words that that come right to the very heart of our relationship with god with condemnation and guilt and thoughts of abandonment they they are a deadly poison that can spread through our soul the shield that David is speaking of here in the context of what is being said about him, it's a shield 
that shields me from these deadly words that come both from persons and from dark spirits and also from dark spirits through persons. You see, fear, words that inspire fear, words that inspire self-pity, words in your head that speak of you as a victim of circumstances, words that produce a rapid heartbeat of anxiety and a, a stomach in knots, words about life that overwhelm you, words that leave you in hopeless despair. Hear me, those words are stronger, more deadly than physical weapons. They take hold of your mind and they take over, they occupy your imagination and, see, it's not the situation you're in. Please please hear me. It's not the situation that you're in. It is the words and the judgments that express in your thoughts that define the situation. That's the problem. See, I mean, David's in a very bad situation. But they're saying there's no salvation, there's no deliverance for him in God. That was their judgment. That was their definition of the situation. If David had believed that, he's finished. And in, when we go through crises that are very real crises, right at the heart of the problem are the thoughts, the words in our head that define that problem in terms of I've been abandoned by God, God doesn't care, and so on and so on. And producing, on the other hand, self-pity and victimhood that you sit and whine in a corner in your darkness, all that is an expression of death. Now, that's what David's doing here. You see, at such times, as we've talked before, and I won't talk much about it here, but the the flesh, my, my... myself uh, acting as if there was no God, will always rush off into the future. And at that moment, there is no joy until this goes away. That's what flesh always says. That is, in this moment, there's no hope. And so if there's ever hope, all of this has got to go away. I resist this situation. Even though it's reality, it's happening. I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. And the only way I'll ever be happy is when this is all gone. Well, that's 100% Satan flesh. I I mean, that's Satan's solution, which will hold you in the darkness. Because God is with you now, and he reveals his salvation now. And he gives you his peace that passes human understanding and his joy, which is your strength, now. Not when this has gone away, right in the middle of it. That's salvation. But I say again, David recognized that these are not his thoughts. They're not his words. They're not his opinions. It's many are saying, and beyond that, many dark spirits. 
And he turns to the Lord, or as Philippians 4 says, in such times you cast all your care upon him. And so David is casting his care. He is saying, Lord, do you hear? Do you hear? Many are saying of me. He, he, he shares with God what's happening. They're seeking to destroy my inner core person. But then that magnificent, oh, do, please, please understand this, this, but. <laughs> and some, it's where you put the sentence in relation to the but. I mean, he could have said, you are my shield, you are my glory, you are the lifter of my head. But many are saying of me, there's no hope for me in you. Could have, no. No, he says, many are saying all of this, but you are. Make sure your, your sentences are, are in the right way. Um, you, you, you don't say all that God is and then, but life sucks. <laughs> no, it's the other way around. You, you tell him your care, you describe what is happening, and then the but of faith, you are a shield around me. And this word shield, it's, there are many, many different kinds of shield. But this is the great shield. In fact, when it's quoted there in Ephesians 6, it says, above all, take the shield of faith. Above all, meaning it, it, it covers everything else. So the armor that he describes in Ephesians 6 is all behind the shield. It's like a great door an enormous shield. And here, David speaks of it as about me. That is a shield that is not only just in front of me, but it's around me. He says, God, you're bigger than any shield I know. It, it, it's around me. But certainly the shield that he's speaking of and spoken of throughout the scripture it is a shield that is a great shield, enormous shield. And Ephesians 6 says it quenches all those flaming arrows. Okay, what is this shield? What, what shields me against life? Especially this that we're speaking of. The shield begins, and I, I'm sure you could preach this at this point. It is by knowing, knowing in your spirit that God is, is love that has been finally determined stated in the person of Jesus who is God come from God to be God love our salvation God is love and John says it there in his epistle we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. I, I, I suppose I, I come back to that, and I could get very passionate and very lengthy on it, because in the last few days, I have met people who all have used almost the same words, though they didn't know each other, that in coming to know, you know what I mean, not know about, but know that God is love, ha has transformed their entire life. But 
I won't go there just enough to say it and to bring it directly to this scripture. You see, all the words that they were saying about David, all the words that ever come into your head in the day of crisis, they're seeking to negate God is love. What does the accuser do? What is the gossip of Satan's world? It all comes down to the fact God is not who he says he is. It all comes down to saying he is not love. Sometimes it's very blatant that that God is rather the lawgiver. He's the one who condemns you and he is the judge. I mean, you'll hear this on Christian television, that, that when there are great disasters, someone's going to come out in public and say that that's God judging. Oh, dear me. God has abandoned you. There's no salvation for you in God. You're under the bus. Now, that's the words, and they come in many flavors and many colors, many degrees of intensity, but that's what they're saying. My shield begins by knowing that God is love, and specifically he set his love upon me and upon you. I am, you are the beloved of God that God is portrayed as the father who runs and flings his arms around the son who's been lost in the far country, kisses him all over and ushers him into the feast, while the Pharisee is the one saying, he's the sinner who must be beaten. No, God is love. And as simple as that is, And I I have the feeling in my own spirit right now that there's somebody who's been through or is in the middle of something like this and you've heard the words in your head that all this is happening to you because, or what's that? They're always saying there's sin in your life or uh, you don't have enough faith and, and condemn, condemn, you're no good, you're no good and that's why this is happening. If you walked with God, this wouldn't happen to you. Hey, have you ever read the book of Job? They call him Job's friends. They said exactly the same thing. No, Cast it away. Those thoughts that are being put into your head, those words like two-edged swords full of poison. Put up the shield of faith. Faith in the fact, the basic fact, the fundamental fact that God is love and the first act of love is to protect. What's the first thing the mother does to the babe but put the babe in her arms? It's the first act of love. And what does love keep on doing except to keep the beloved, to keep from danger? See, the words that are shot into our heads, they they are not true. I mean, what was the first recorded words of Satan? I mean, we should understand his M.O. I mean, he's, we've got his words as far back as the Garden of Eden. And what did he say? Has God said? 
bang, the, the arrow of doubt. Is God all that he's cracked up to be? Not true. Not true. Not love. Not love. Not faithful. Doesn't care. All those words and they're seething underneath other words and no, God is my shield. Those words cannot get to me. They cannot get to me. But they, can, they can buzz through my mind, but they cannot get to me. They're quenched. They're brought to nothing. By knowing he is love. But just a minute. There's more here. You are a shield to me. Where did David get that from? We, we talked about this some weeks ago. Where did David get any of this from? I mean, do you think he just sat there and it came to him? No, David had a Bible. Obviously, it was much smaller than our Bible because he himself was part of the writing of the Bible. But he had... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That essentially was his Bible. And do you know, when God entered into covenant, entered into covenant with Abraham, entered into covenant with Abraham for the entire world, do you know the very first words of that covenant? Genesis 15 Verse 1, he said, God said, I am your shield. Wow. That's the first words of the covenant with Abraham. It's the first time in the scripture that God announced himself in terms of I am. I am this, I am that. The first words he said, I am your shield. This is fundamental to the covenant. And of course, the covenant arises out of the fact that God is love. And, and, and now he's going to show us within our human terminology the kind of love that he is. His covenant love. That is, he binds himself with an oath. Blood is shed. And he says, in effect, that he himself would cease to be if he didn't keep his covenant word. That's the meaning of covenant in a nutshell. And the first word, the, literally, literally, the first words of that covenant. I am your shield. Now, that, that puts a different slant on it. See, here we stand with David in, in a day of loss and, and near hopelessness. And the, the thing is often in our minds, here am I in this mess. Oh God, please get me out. Have mercy, pity me. I mean, I've been a good chap. Please get me out of here. But if it's his covenant statement, then the onus goes back to him. He made the promise. He sealed the promise in blood. He made the promise with a covenant oath. So 
It means that my attitude is that it is for your honor and your glory that you are my shield. You are my shield for your name's sake. Your name is at stake here. Do you understand? I'm talking to God. His name is at stake, and that's why you get it often through the scripture, those other for his namesake. It, it means he's doing this because he made a promise, and he's doing this because he stands behind every word of promise. And his name shall never be tarnished. His name shall never be made to stink. I'm quoting from Ezekiel there. No, he said, I keep my word. This is not... If I was, I was going to say this isn't only that he loves you, <laughs> some only. But th- this is love that has sworn with an oath and says, my love, which wills to be in covenant with you, swears to be your shield. And put in a covenant context, he is saying, from this day forth, I share your life. I share the adventure of your journey in life. And whatever you walk through, I walk through with you and in you. You know, I've said uh, covenant mathematics is that one plus one is one. He plus me is me he. (laughs) We, we, We have become one. Or as Jesus said, I in you and you in me. We're one. And in covenant language again, for anyone to seek to touch David, they're touching God. He is the shield about them. Of course, this was totally fulfilled in Jesus. He is the fulfillment of that Abrahamic covenant and he is the He is himself the new and everlasting covenant. And it says of him, among so much else, but in what we're talking about, it says of him, he bore our grief and he carried our sorrow. And those two words, grief and sorrow, it's it's the entire spectrum of pain and hurt and, and it actually uses, in, in defining those two words in a Hebrew dictionary, it, it takes in the abuse, it takes in the mental, emotional anguish. Jesus said, give it to me. That is, when the arrows come, they hit the shield, not me, and they're quenched. Jesus said, I am your shield, give it to me. And so we we go through the pain Maybe, but it can never pain us. The where I say I am, where I say Malcolm, I, me. No, he says I, I hold you. This was a terrible thing that happened to David, but it's not going to scar you. It's not going to reach the depth of your core person. He takes the arrows. He takes the arrows. This is all through 
scripture. I, I could spend a whole hour just quoting scripture to you. Let me give you a few that, to show this is foundational that he is in Psalm 18 too, which of course the whole Psalm is fantastic. But verse two, the Lord is my rock, my fortress. Now that, that's got the idea of shield. A fortress is just a great big building that is all a shield. It's, it's around you. He's my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. You take refuge behind a shield. Then he says, and he is my shield, my stronghold. Okay. See, I'd love to stop and talk, but just to let you know that it's found Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, and with my song I shall thank him. See what I mean? Joy doesn't come when all this goes away. You are shielded, and in the midst of this, you sing your song of joy. Uh, Psalm 32, verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you, O God, in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not reach him. That's what I was trying to say. In a flood of great waters, it will never destroy your inner person. You will find the strength of God to carry you on. He goes on and says, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me, that shield word again, you surround me with songs of deliverance or salvation. Um, Right there in Deuteronomy, uh, which, which, as I said, David read this. This was his Bible. He said, blessed are you, O Israel. That is, blessed all you who are the people of God who believe his word. Who, who's like you? A people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and your helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you. You will trample down their high places. David read this and says, I take this as mine. He is my covenant shield. Um, Isaiah, which of course was after David, but just to let you know, it goes on as a theme of scripture. Isaiah 43, but now, that says the Lord your creator, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Do you get it? You, yes, we walk through the situations of life, but they can't get to us because we walk through those situations in the arms of covenant love. And of course, there's the other one, and I almost don't quote it because there's so much to say about it, but enough to say in Isaiah fifty four seventeen, no weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. 
What about Psalm 91? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, resting in the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in whom I trust. I, you get it. This is, this is not just a little verse in the Bible to stick on your refrigerator. This is foundational to the revelation of God in the scripture. And of course, I, I can't leave this out. Or the, the context here, what David was talking about, <clears throat> was the words that were seeking to destroy him before any other human got to him. But let's understand the protection, the shielding of God does come into the physical. And we move there into the world of miracle. Yes, I believe in the intervention of God's love power in our physical material lives. His shield does not only surround us within Betimes, according to his good purpose, that that shield is around us physically. You remember when Israel was being pursued by Egypt. This was another time like this, because they, they were being pursued by the crack troops of Pharaoh, who had one intent, and that was to get rid of these people forever. In front of them was the Red Sea. And they are in a state of sheer terror and panic. And it says that the cloud, that presence of God, that was a cloud by day, a shimmering cloud of light, and at night it was like a fire, that cloud rose and went behind Israel instead of the usual place in front. It went behind them, and it says even though to the Israelites it was light, it became inky darkness to the Egyptians and they were thrown into confusion and didn't know what was going on because the shield was the shield of light, which is darkness to the enemies of the people of God. Oh yes, he shields. I mean, (laughs) yes. In fact, I'll go as far to say, you have been shielded by God from things you didn't even know were there. You you have been walked through life. Do you know you are attended by angels? I believe that as surely as I believe there's somebody behind this camera listening to me right now. Yes, I believe in angels. I believe that angels have been in my attendance Um, And they didn't come, well, don't get into all those angels in yellow lingerie with silly wings. No, 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 get real. It says uh, angels, you don't even know they are angels. And the word in the angel is a Greek word. We just never translated it. I wish we had. It means messengers, angel messengers who come to shield us. Um, Nancy was... um, my wife was standing by her car on a, a road in, in the night where something had gone wrong with the car and she was out of the car and was standing there beside it on the side of the road. And suddenly she felt an enormous hand on her back that pushed her 
and she went right over the hood of the car. And in that same moment, an 18-wheeler went past at 70 miles an hour and went right over the place where she had been standing. Of course, there was nobody visibly there. I believe in angels. I believe in angels that are sent to shield us. I believe that Daniel really was thrown into a den of hungry lions to destroy him. And I do believe that the angel of the Lord came and shut the mouths of the lions. I believe that. And I believe that that is potential in our situations today. I believe that three Hebrew boys young teenagers were thrown into a furnace of fire to incinerate them. And it was so hot that those who threw them in were overcome by the heat. But they walked around in the flames, visiting with the Son of God. I believe that. And, and I believe also that when they came out of the furnace, walking out instead of a heap of ashes, the only thing that had been burned on their person were the ropes that held their hands. I believe that still happens today. I believe he is our shield. And I believe that when, like Joseph, we find ourselves in an ongoing situation uh, of what one could call disaster. I believe, as the scripture says, the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord blessed Joseph, which meant there was a shield around him that marked his path, though it seemed a strange path at the time, but marked his path. Nobody could destroy Joseph. The boy, did they try, but nobody could. For there was a shield of God's favor around him. And he ends up as pretty much the ruler of the world, saving the entire world. I believe that. I believe it. And as we walk through a very physical world in crisis, believe that. It's the truth. It's the truth. I understand. Look, there, there's there's a lot of preppers today. You, you understand what I mean? Preparing for hard times to come. Let me say, I, I believe that up to a point. We we have stored much food because we anticipate in such a day of trouble to be feeding a lot of hungry neighbors because we don't hoard food and then shoot everybody that comes toward us. We hoard food to be able to supply the needs of the the whole of the area. I, I believe in prepping. I believe in being ready for when all the lights go out. I, I believe, yes, I believe that. But what we've talked about tonight, this is the ultimate prepping, and I really mean it. You, you people who are listening, who are preparing, you know, with your survival kits, what I have said tonight, if this, this truth is not part of your life, then you cannot survive. 
You can have all the food stored and all the guns and everything else. You won't survive. The only way we survive in days of trouble, in days of personal attack, in days of national disaster, the only way we survive is by knowing that the Lord is our shield. That's what Psalm 127 said. Have you remember that one? Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. That is, he said, unless with all your storage and all of your building against the bad day, unless it's the Lord who's building something bigger than you are around you, all of your building is in vain. In vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Yeah, we, we put out our watchmen. We, we call them policemen today. We, we have our sheriff. And, yeah, but if that's all you've got, it's pretty fragile. Fragile as a spider's web. No, we... Look, let, let me finish this on, on Psalm 121. It's one of the great Psalms. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It, it, to the hills, that's where the pagans had their gods. They believed if they built their altars on hilltops, they were closer to the heavens or that gods could watch over their fields. And so the psalmist is being sarcastic. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills, trying to find my God. Huh, where does my help come? My help, he says, comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, not just a petty hill. My God made the universe. And it's he who will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over us will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. That is, he casts his shadow upon you because he never leaves you. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. I mean, that's a shield around you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming in and going out both now and forevermore. He is your shield. And I trust that these words will give you the courage to walk into a wild world and know that whatever is happening Whatever they are saying about you, whatever Satan shoots into your mind, you are the one who inside of Christ, who is inside of the Father, you are shielded and you walk in peace. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be your shield, be your refuge, 
And in all be your peace that passes all human comprehension. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen.